championship game, talk about the teams invited to the playoff, and some that were not invited, and discuss where Clemson stacks up heading into the 14 playoff with the Tigers currently playing some of their best ball of the year. Uh, what we really want to get to is the secret sauce that allows this team to hit that higher gear. Is it sustainable, and where do we stack up? But before we start and get into all of that, Ben, Clemson has made it to the playoffs in three of the four years of his existence. Twice as the number one seed, once as the number two seed. Um, this may be Dabo's masterpiece so far, given preseason expectations, um, at least as it was supposed to be a rebuilding season at the beginning of the season. I uh, just want to take a moment to reflect on the great year. Uh, if you would have told us in August that we would make the playoff, I think most Clemson fans would have considered this a resounding success. Uh, yeah, I totally agree. Before we get started, I want to uh, say really good job there on the intro. You haven't hosted in a while. Your enunciation is spot on. You're really popping those peas, uh, which is important when you're called the Clemson Podcast and you're doing a podcast. You got to spit. Yeah, you got to spit a little bit. Spit, spit a little bit in the microphone. Um, but yeah. Uh, do you, do you, you want to add a joke because I didn't throw in a joke? I mean, I think the joke is might play itself out and we'll see how you do hosting, but maybe not. You know, I have confidence in you. Um, Thanks, Ben. No, yeah. A little bit. Um, so are we talking football here? Are we here to talk football? What did you ask me? Something about Dabo and this football team? Oh, yeah. ACC champions for the third year in a row. Um, you mentioned something about this being possibly Dabo's masterpiece. I could not agree with you more. I want you, you to wax poetic and get all the those like Clemson juices out right now. Well, here's the thing. How many times now, um, as Clemson fans within the last three years, have we been in big-time games like this and by late in the second quarter going into halftime, you're like, we already won this. I mean, we've been blowing people out, whether it be Oklahoma, Ohio State, uh, now Miami. It's been absolutely incredible what this team has been able to do in, in the big moments, and not to mention what this team has been able to do this year. I know it's been said many times before uh, about all the attrition that this team uh, faced, losing all the, the big-name players and, of course, the best player in the, the history of the school. But for these guys, I mean, it's, it's not just it, – it's – partially on coaching, but it's also kudos to these players to step into this big moment and really perform. Man, you can't say enough about Kelly Bryant. Everybody was doubting. We were doubting him going into this year. And for this kid to step in here, it seemed like he's been there before. I mean, he got thrown to the fire early on with a game against a tough Auburn team. You go on the road at Louisville, at Virginia Tech, and perform as well as he did there and remain consistent and got better throughout the season. Yeah, we, we suffered a little bit when, when he got that ankle injury and, uh, the subsequent concussion in the Syracuse game. But other than that, he bounced back, and he has played superbly these past few games. And it's been quite amazing to see. Again, uh, to Dabo, I think this is his absolute best coaching performance uh, in his head coaching career, and especially, obviously, at Clemson. Um, not much more can be said about that. All the odds were against this Clemson, a very talented Clemson team, but a very young team nonetheless. And they look legitimately like the best football team in the country this year. And I'll lead Crow because when we did our preseason predictions, I, I 
predicted three losses. But my reason behind that wasn't necessarily that I think the team's going to completely fall off. You know, I knew there was a lot of talent. Um, both lines of scrimmage were going to be as strong as we've ever been. That's that's held true. But it was like the close game. We're going to play a lot of close games, and we had Deshaun Watson before. How how are these like when it comes down to seven points or less? How are we going to how, how are those outcomes going to end up? And I mean, I think I read a, a piece by Larry Williams earlier um, earlier this week where he said there was there's only been three games he's had about eight points or less this year. One of which we lost, um, and then and then winning the other two, and then. I think last year with Deshaun Watson in, in control of the offense, there were seven games of decided by eight points or less. So it's been a completely different, more methodical way of doing football. I think more talent dispersed throughout the, the squad. And then with Kelly Bryant, you, you, you touched on it. We'll talk, talk about his performance in the, in the ACC championship game. But yeah, he's been incredible. And if he can play some of his best ball, if he's going to continue this trend, then um, he's going to have a hard time, uh, I should say the, the five-star quarterback is going to have a hard time supplanting him in the next couple of years or the next year. Yeah, absolutely. And again, it's all about continuing to get better. And that's what he did. He progressed throughout the year. And that, that was a big part of this because we said early on that this defense, as talented as they were, were going to have to carry this team at the beginning of the year until the offense was able to get their feet under them, their legs under them. And Kelly Bryant was going to be able to get used to the speed of the game. And we saw that. We were, we're seeing that play out, especially over these last few games. Yeah, I think nationally, because I listen to a ton of these podcasts, I've, I've, I read as much from the writers of, uh, you know, the Big 12 conferences, Pac-12. Um, there's a lot of people throwing some, I don't know, some insults, they, Clemson's way, thinking they couldn't hold up through, uh, you know, the 12 game schedule uh, into the playoffs against league competition. And like them winning the way that they were winning was a, it was a byproduct of, of them not being truly elite. And it was, it was really... I think it was it wasn't that and this this late surge that we've seen is not just it's not happenstance like it there's a reason like they're they're throwing more for one what they did earlier is when you go up to like 10 points you put in some reserves uh, you go vanilla with the offense you don't show your hand you don't want Nick Saban and his you know army of you know hundred thousand dollar year consultants to be able to pick through your film and I think that's very much what they did and look look what happens number four and the playoff ranking sneaking in is Alabama we'll talk about that later but I think it was very intentional, um, the, the yeah. way that we won throughout the season. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think af after the first few times that happened, you may start to think, uh-oh, there's a problem. This offense doesn't have that killer instinct, isn't able to put games away. But when it starts happening time and time again, and you start to notice, even in the game against Miami, after we go up 21 nothing, you start seeing some of those second and third stringers come in there. The offense is a lesser version of itself at that point. But what that's done is that it has allowed this team to build quality experience depth throughout the year. So when a guy like Dexter Lawrence goes down or a guy like Trey Lamar goes down, um, Mark Fields goes down. Guys are able to step in there who has significant playing experience um, So you, where you're not going to have that much of a drop-off. And that's really, really paid off, not to mention you keep a lot of those starters fresh throughout the season. Yeah, and it's it's helped to, uh, I think, a, a large extent. And we are now well-positioned going into the playoff. And we're going to talk about that. Yeah, I mean, we get a month off now. You get Dexter Lawrence healthy. You get Trey Lamar, Mark Fields, and all the other guys that have little uh, banged-up nicks and bruises. ETN wasn't used terribly much in the Miami game because he's still battling uh, an injury. So, you know, I expect this to get fully healthy here in this month. And Clemson's going to be a tough out in the playoffs, that's for sure. Before we get into the Miami game, I'd like to take a quick second to plug the podcast. I don't get to do this very often, so I'm actually looking forward to this. If you're listening to us right now on SoundCloud, you know, it's a, it's a fine place to meet us. I always say this. It's a fine place to date us. Go marry us. Take a second. Download us on iTunes, Stitcher, Overcast. If you have a Android, go uh, to Google Play. I think Stitcher and Overcast are both uh, through Android as well. Not really sure. But go find, out, find us on a podcasting app. If you are on iTunes or have an Apple device, give us a rating. Five star preferably. If it's anything less than that, send an email to ClemsonPodcast at gmail.com. And we will not reply to it, probably. Probably not. You know, Unless you're a Gamecock fan, we will troll you. Yeah, we will do that. Um, but yeah, if you do have you can give us negative feedback too. Like it's it's fine. Just don't say we suck. Tell us why we suck so we can improve upon it and 
that's all that we ask. But Ben, I know you have uh, you have a few people that have reached out to the pod over the last week or so. You'd like to? Yeah, and I would like to first commend you. That's a big step forward for you to actually promoting the podcast, Cody. Um, I know you ran into a few football players while you were back in Clemson, and you uh, failed to mention what we do. Um, seems like a good marketing I, opportunity for us. I did meet uh, Blake Vincent. He's, if you don't know who that is, he is a red shirt. He's red shirting right now. Um, really super nice guy though. He, you know, could have been 18, 19 years old. Super nice. Um, he, you know, found out that I'm in, uh, I was, I'm in advertising and he's in marketing right now, uh, or he's, he's majoring in marketing. So he starts asking me all these questions about, you know, what I did, you know, all this, all this and that. Very impressed by an 18 year old guy. Yeah, and you failed to mention the podcast. I didn't, so. mention, I didn't mention the podcast. Um, anyways, moving on from that, uh, yeah, we got a couple uh, really nice messages from uh, from Stan Reeves and Chris Nosokoff. I'm hoping I'm pronouncing that right. Um, and so we just wanted to let them know we appreciate you guys and everybody really listening to the podcast. Uh, it's because of all this fan interaction and feedback that we get from you guys telling you how much you enjoy listening to us. That's the reason why we continue to, to, to do this, and we're just glad we're able to bring uh, you some any sort of insight or uh, entertainment value uh, during the football season and even after the football season if you're interested in some of other Clemson's athletics. And so just as much as, uh, as you give us all these nice comments and feedback, we want to return and do the same and just tell you guys thank you for listening. We appreciate it. Tell a friend. Tell five friends. So let's get into the Miami game now. So I want to start with the offense when we're talking about what happened in the ACC championship game, because the defenses, we've seen them get to this gear before the offense led by Kelly Bryant. We'll start with him. It, it played at a level that I don't think we've seen all year um, consistently throughout the game. And then for almost the duration of the game until we got into garbage time right around the, the third quarter. By the way, I think we, we scored a touchdown at the end of the third quarter and Chris Fowler was very prophetic. My uncle Chris, he's, he says, Clemson's going back to the playoff. And this was the end of the third quarter. We're up 31, or uh, I guess, yeah, 31 30, to nothing. 38 nothing, I think it was. Oh, I think it was right before we scored. Well, actually, We no, scored it all in the first three quarters. Okay, so you're probably right. So he was actually more energized during that play call than he was Hunter Renfro's touchdown. So Uncle Chris, you need to work on that. But uh, let's start with Kelly Bryant because he was 23 of 29, 252 yards passing, connected on his first 15 passes, was looking very solid. I would consider this his best performance of the year. Um, and he was able to do this, too, with only running nine times. He's gotten up to against elite competition. He gets to that 20 mark a lot of times. But nine times, that just shows he was very balanced, um, very impressive. What did you see from Kelly Bryant, Ben? Well, first off, the the lack of his running was actually really surprising to me because, um, you know, Miami's a, a team that their blitz scheme can bring, brings a lot of guys in one gap, which – we thought was going to be able to open up some holes for Kelly Bryant to get loose, but I think he only had seven yards rushing on the day on those nine carries. Uh, so that was pretty interesting to see that he was not as active in the run game. Part of that was because they were really stacking the box in this game, uh, forcing Kelly Bryant to beat them through the air. And boy, did he. I mean, he started 15 of 15 passing. He ended the game 7 of 7 passing. He was sharp on almost all of his balls. He didn't have any balls that were floating and getting away from him. He put no balls in danger of being intercepted, which is really good considering how good of a team Miami is at turning over the ball. So you go back to the comparison that you you said at the beginning of the show between this year and last year and why we haven't played in as many close games this year and why that's so surprising given we had Deshaun Watson. Well, don't forget all the turnovers that Deshaun Watson did suffer from last year. Kelly Bryant has not been doing that. What you can't say about him is he's been really good at protecting the ball. He may not always throw it, you know, have the best uh, form and and throw the prettiest ball, but he has done a really, really good job of protecting it this year. Agreed. I I think, yeah, this was his most mature performance to date. Um, And, you know, we can, we'll talk a little bit more about the offense um, as a whole, but uh, like you said, he didn't run um, or he, he didn't have to run. He was able to do it with his arm. You're right. The Miami defense was in a, a cover three, uh, which was, which like you said, was designed to let their interior guys get penetration. Um, and th- for the most part, they did a great job. You know, on, on the second watch, I couldn't believe how little success we had in the run game. Right. Um, but it also, they were, they wanted to prevent, prevent against deep plays, um, explosive plays. They, they, they also had a spy. They kept a spy on Kelly Bryant. So that's part of what limited 
limited him in the run game. Right. So, yeah, when something broke down, they did send a ton of pressure. When something broke down, they had a guy waiting for him. But the, the only – and this is goes to a little bit of his maturity as a quarterback, but also I think Tony Elliott working with him, them acting as just – as one. You know, he is the extension of Tony Elliott is that the only really inefficiency or opening in their defense was – was those little slants, those little creases right within the zone, and he executed time and time again. Again, that, that's timing, it's mechanics, it's a lot of reps in the offseason, and for him now, I think it's, I'm seeing his confidence, it seems to be you know, sky high right now. Well, and it all starts with Tony Elliott. Um, he just won the Broyles Award today as the nation's top assistant coach, and man, hats off to him for, for his incredible job this year and bringing Kelly Bryant along and bringing this offensive along. Now, we were questioning it a little bit at the beginning of the season, but I think as you saw the uh, development and evolution, the, the maturation of this offense throughout the year, you start to understand how much Tony Elliott had uh, to do with that. And hes it's been a masterpiece for him as well, bringing Kelly Bryant along. Even the start of this game, starting 15 for 15, he put Kelly Bryant in situations, uh, very makeable passing situations. And they went to it early and often. Uh, you know, they, the game plan was going there and throw knowing that Miami was going to stack the box. And Kelly Bryant, boy, did he execute. It was a, it was a thing of beauty, that's for sure. The one, um, I guess, weakness that they were really able to exploit was, I think, their linebacker, Miami's linebacker speed. Um, good downhill physical linebackers. Their whole front seven was was very impressive. Um, but I think whenever they had to get out in space, Clemson was able to exploit that a little bit. So I want to I want to take it now. We talked about Tony Elliott. Take it to, the, to our play calling, the new wrinkles. And that's, that's kind of generic. But I think we both, we had a nice rewatch. So we were able to look at some of the things we did that we haven't done uh, to date. And, and how they were effective and how they can potentially be effective moving forward and why that makes us a more dynamic offense. So uh, so what did you see? Well, just the misdirection with the ball, um, whether it be the fake pitch to ETN on Kelly Bryant's touchdown run, um, some of the fake jet sweeps or the actual jet sweeps and that lead to the fake jet sweeps that could help us out in the red zone um, is eye candy here uh, going down the road. So I mean, it's all a testament to Kelly Bryant's ability to manage this offense better and, and see more things going on and be able to have more things going on in the office offense to make it more dynamic and a more complex offense, which really uh, puts a strain on the defense and the opposing defensive coordinators. Right, and he was doing a ton. It seemed like every play, and you could probably go back and watch it, it was almost every play there was some type of um, guy in motion in a jet sweep, uh, a play action fake, including that uh, I think the one early on to uh, Hunter Renfro down, you know, down the seam. Um, there was, like you said, that that fake to Etn, which, by the way, whenever you can use Etn, and, and he he strikes fear, unlike. No other and was one. that on his touchdown run? It was on. Um, it was the pass to Ray where he fumbled. Oh, gotcha, gotcha, they, gotcha. That's they what that was. Faked the yeah. pitch, and you see linebackers. That's what that's the effect Etn has, by the way, right? And how how he's become such a central part of the offense. Because all the linebackers and safeties are like, oh, crap, this guy will get 10 yards before we can ever even get in position. So uh, that's huge. Um, and it, it was beautiful to see. That, that tells me a little bit that I think the way he went through all that, they've been probably preparing for this all year. It's stuff that they've had in it's an arrow or arrows they've had in their quiver all year. It's just and it probably is something that the other backups couldn't execute on as effectively. But it's they, they wanted a way to show their hand. Yeah, I mean, it's not. We know what um, we know what Kelly Bryant is good at. Um, he excels um, more often than not when he gets the ball out of his hand quickly. He does get a little antsy when he gets some pressure on him. But I mean, he made a couple really, really great plays in this game. Uh, the time where he was flush from the pocket, rolled out left, and hit Ray Ray on the run uh, on the sideline for first down. That was a beautifully thrown ball, and that's not something I think that he makes earlier in the year. Um, so it's not just. I mean, it all comes down to his maturity in this offense and his ability to see more things going on and not be overwhelmed in certain situations. Now, don't get me wrong. He's done great all year at being cool, calm, and collected. You've never seen him panic. Um, but the play calling was, was rather vanilla at times. Now that it's getting more complex, I think you're going to see this Clemson offense open up and flourish. He's got three weeks of practice now to continue to hone on that craft. This offense has yet to peak, I believe. I think so. And, you know, the thing that always, whenever we hold things back, and we certainly have, I thought we were doing it a little bit last year. Most of what we were holding back was just Deshaun running the ball. And that was for simply the reason that we wanted to keep him healthy. But the things that we've been, that we've introduced just in the Miami and a little bit in the South Carolina game lets me know that, well, we've really been holding it back and like playing, like playing with fire um, as we squeaked out some games. But hey, it worked. 
Um, you you gotta you put enough on film to make Alabama to keep them up at night. Um, I don't I don't think uh, Dabo thought it was going to be Nick Saban he's going to be facing. But either way, well, um, Nick Saban does have a month to prepare for Clemson, but it's it doesn't really seem like he has a season's worth of tape to prepare for Clemson because Clemson's only started showing their hand recently. Exactly, and um, some other things I, I saw as well was was Feaster. He was out wide blocking. They're using they would they have him in motion going outside to block on some of those screen passes. Um, one thing you mentioned was. Uh, four wide receiver sets. They didn't do it a whole lot, but I think they potentially could work some of that in. Well, I think part of that, I mean, you started seeing that come in more and more. We knew it was going to happen a little bit this year just because of the loss of Jordan Leggett and what he meant to this team and the the lack of a dominant pass catcher from the tight end position. Um, but the emergence of T. Higgins, once he started really coming on at the end of the year, you started seeing more of those wide receiver sets. Now, maybe part of the reason you didn't see it in this game is he had some boneheaded plays, some drops uh, that shouldn't have happened that were more characteristic of a freshman than a five-star. Um, but you think about the advantage that gives you. What does a defense do in the red zone to defend a four-receiver set that has Overton on one side, Higgins on the other, Renfro on the middle, and then Bryant with his ability to run the ball, and you know probably Deion Kane or somebody out there too. Um, what does what does the defense do? So that is such a advantage for this Clemson team, and to just to have two guys as talented as Overton and Higgins who can play in the nine spot. So not only does that give you an advantage on offense, but think about recruiting. You can sell these recruits that you run multiple nines out there on the field at the same time in crucial situations. So I think this is a, a, a heck of a dynamic um, added to this offense and very, very clever by uh, Tony Elliott and Jeff Scott. Right. When you, you, whenever you have T. Higgins and DeAndre Overton, Overton for that matter, I think uh, you want to get them as many reps as you can. Um, it will be nice, by the way, just to have Garrett Williams back next year. Though, I'm not going to lie. Absolutely. Um, as far as blocking is concerned, at least. Right. And so, don't get me wrong. Mylon Richard has done well when he's caught the ball this year. I love when he does uh, get targeted and get the ball in his hands. He has a great uh, – he's great at point of contact, at pushing through that contact and getting the extra yards. So I do kind of wish we would incorporate him more. Maybe that's something we've saved up a little bit. Um, but one thing that he's improved on a little bit is, is blocking. And I think the tight ends, you mentioned the running backs as a whole have got as a whole have gotten better as the season's gone along, especially uh, Greenlee and Cannon Smith. Right. I, I've really enjoyed they use Greenlee in these H back sets, kind of the goal line as a lead blocker, and he's he's not just willing, he's he's pretty good at it. I think Mylon Richard, you know, he's he's a willing blocker, but he's not very good at it. He he falls short a couple times or just whiffs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, or yeah, or DVs like pushing yeah. him three yards in the backfield and you're like, What the heck? You have a forty 40 pound weight advantage. What's happening there? But he is willing, um, had a great pickup uh, from the fumble from Ray Ray. And yeah, I think, yeah, I, I think maybe if there's one other thing we're withholding, speaking of goal line, it could be, uh, it could be some more pass plays around the goal line. But right now, every, all we put on film is Kelly, uh, Kelly Bryant in the zone read uh, with the, maybe an H back set with, you know, as a lead blocker. So that's another thing that I'm sure they have a few more pick plays or whatever you want to call them. Uh, going into the postseason. Well, it's interesting you bring up the goal line. We haven't seen a lot of the jumbo package this year. This team has really focused on trying just just to pound the ball in up the middle. You saw it happen in this game. Uh, I think we, we had one of our drives there. Maybe it was near the end. Uh, they had Choice pounding, pounding it in, and then brought ET in, in there. Or no, Choice did finish that one off, I believe. Yeah, um, and he's but, looked improved yeah, as well. He, he has, and that's one of my notes. Adam Choice has been really solid. He seems to have gotten better as the season has gone along, whereas C.J. Fuller looks like he's put on some weight and he's starting to drop off a bit. Um, Adam Choice has been a great change of pace back for this offense and is a very valuable part of this team. Now, as far as C.J. Fuller is concerned, I'm not thrilled with how early we're bringing him in in games at this point, especially such crucial games. Um, because I just don't think it's there. You saw another fumble from him in this game, and I just don't think he's near the same level as these other backs. Yeah, and I've heard I've heard some people saying that he's good as a pass catcher, but you know what? There, there's uh, Tavian Feaster who played a lot of wide receiver in high school. Like he's your superior pass catcher if you want to run like a wheel route. Throw Tavian Feaster, in and there. you're running. A, if you're running a step slow, is it really that much of advantage? Exactly, and you know you're not, he's not a big target to begin with, at least compared to Feaster. Um, maybe just one, a last point on the offense, Ben. Any other standout performances? Maybe some of the big uglies up front. Yeah, so we haven't talked about this all year, but how about the play of Justin Falsinelli? 
to be able to step into the shoes of Jay Guillermo and have no drop-off this year, he's a better blocker. Um, there were a few shaky snaps in this game. I think that was a concern coming into the year, coming out of spring practice. But, man, all year long he has done a really fantastic job. Um, one Another great thing in this game is the O-line getting out on, uh, on screens to block. Taylor Hearn pulled really well in this game. He's had a fantastic year. Uh, I think Crowder did not block particularly well in this game. I think he had some whiffs. I was actually surprised to see him be first uh, team all ACC um, on a couple different uh, ballots there. But for the most part, a really, really solid year from this offensive line. You've seen the improvement in the run game and the push those guys have gotten there, and they protected Kelly Bryant enough this year for this offense to be successful. Yeah, I think one of the NC State coaches said, I think maybe I heard her uh, Kirk Herbstreet say that um, the Clemson offensive line was the best one they faced all year, and they faced Notre Dame just the week before. So and that's that they were widely considered one of the better, if not the best, offensive lines in the game. So yeah, and it's not like we weren't running the ball well because their defensive line was getting a push on it. They were just plugging the gaps. Right, right. They definitely had a numbers advantage, and uh, you know, like offensive line, like, it's so hard to uh, measure them, uh, grade them out one by one, just because there's so much going on, and everyone generally hate every college fan base hates their offensive line or thinks they suck. In the case of Clemson, I, lo- I love ours. They've been really, yeah, I'm yeah. really happy. They're, they've been really good. And that left side with Taylor Hearn as well. He, he's been great. Even mixing, mixing the other guys in, you got Pollard and Ankrum on one side, you're getting John Simpson in there. Um, you're getting who backs up at a uh, right guard. Um, Maverick Morris. Maverick Morris has been getting a lot yeah. of playing time and playing well this year. So it's been really great to see. I love the depth that we developed at that position or yeah. that in that position group. Hopefully, some of those guys come back. At least, you know, we'll, we'll see how that goes. That's an off-season discussion. Well, Mitch Hyatt's gone. I think so. I think I don't blame him. Um, maybe Hearn can come back. He's he's scheduled to graduate, but graduate. But it'd I be nice to see him come back. Was it? Um, was it QT on shaking the South Lane? I think mentioned that he was grading out. Um, in the sixth round right now, so yeah, I think it might have been QC, so kind of surprised yeah. to see that he was thinking about testing the waters. But yeah, I, I really hope that we do get him back this year because he's been such a force. Agreed. Um, so the offense looked good. I think we'll we'll tie a bow on it. Um, it was it was a great performance. New wrinkles, and I think. Oh, can I can I say one more thing about the offense that I've been harping on over these past several weeks? What they excelled at in this game was not letting. Um, getting behind the chains on early downs and being set up with first, second, and third and long. They converted many, um, many times in this game, and that that was a huge improvement over past games. Uh, I think Kelly Bryant was 5 of 6 on balls over 15 yards in this game with an average target distance of 20.5 yards. So, I mean, that that tells you something because that hasn't been happening recently. He's got nine passes over 20 yards the last two weeks. So something to get excited about because that was an area of concern. That's right. Uh, nine for 18 on uh, third down efficiency uh, compared to just three for 16 for the Miami offense. And with that, let's switch it to our defense. So the Clemson defense came out uh, looking as good as they looked all year. Maybe not quite as good as, as in the Auburn game, but a pretty dominant effort. Uh, four sacks, six tackles for loss. They allowed 104 rushing yards, 3.5 yards an attempt 110 yards passing. And I mean, this is kind of the, the thing you can circle two interceptions. Uh, Miami's been averaging 245 yards per game coming in. No surprise there. And Malik Rozier was not at his best. He's been reeling. I don't think, I think what we got from their defense was a uh, close to elite group. And that's why it was so impressive on offense, not to take any way thing away from this performance, but it is fair to consider that Miami was reeling coming in, uh, particularly Malik Rozier. Yeah, but at the same time, they held him to season low is lows in plays, yards, and yards per play. So this is the worst that the Miami offense has performed all year, and that's in part because they faced the best defense that they faced all year. So yeah, big kudos to this defense. I think we got a bit of a roadmap in that pit game um, of how to uh, attack Rozier and this offense, get pressure on this in this quarterback and affect his accuracy passing the ball. He wasn't good all day, um, forcing him into mistakes. You talk about those uh, two interceptions. So it's very similar, I think, to what we did against Jay Bentley, um, Jake Bentley um, in the USC game. I'm sorry, excuse me. That's a Cardinal sin. The South Carolina game. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, and so, yeah, I mean, this team struggles uh, in part because they have an average O-line. You saw Christian Wilkins getting after it all uh, game long. He had a heck of a game. Dexter Lawrence looking healthy again, getting a big push. Uh, that sack, I don't know how Rozier did not see him coming. That big 340-pound man like flying through. It was like slow-mo. You know what I mean? It was, wow, what a thing of beauty that was. I hope to see more of that in the playoffs. Yeah, and I want to take a second to talk about Dexter Lawrence. And it, I was talking to my brother earlier today, and I said, you know, we're we're kind of down a 100% defensive tackle, but it's not just like, it's one of our starters. I mean, most, you know, you can look at that and chalk it up to, well, you you know, you have an injured player. But he's not just a, a guy that's like a second-team All-American, which is, I think, I think he, maybe it was his first team, or I'm sorry, All-ACC. He's not just that. He's potentially the best, in my opinion, and I'm trying not to be hyperbolic, but I think he's potentially the best defensive lineman in the country. I think he, I just, his size and his speed, I don't think anyone just physically has the same gifts that he has. So that's what Clemson has been lacking by not having him at full health. You couple that with the fact that he's playing beside Christian Wilkins, who is a legitimate All-American, probably a top 10 draft pick. Who I think is the best uh, uh, tackle in the country. I agree. And I think he proved it again on, on Saturday night against Miami. So getting him healthy, I call it 90%, will, will be absolutely huge. Um, what did you see from the defensive ends? Um, the, the defensive ends played as well as they have all year. I mean, the the ability uh, and the luxury that this Clemson team has is that these guys are fast and athletic enough that they can drop them into coverage, which really... Uh, really taxes uh, modern offenses because modern offenses like to stretch the field. And when you can drop those DEs back and, and put them in coverage uh, uh, near the sidelines, balls out to the flats and stuff like that, and they're able to blow up plays, um, you know, I think it was Austin Bryant in the South Carolina game blew up one in the backfield um, in coverage. So, I mean, you don't see that from a lot of teams and this Clemson team has that ability to do that. And it really, it's really hard for opposing offenses, uh, to, to mitigate. Could be a potential, uh, anecdote for a Baker Mayfield. If that were the a final match, uh, matchup in the championship game, uh, kind of going down the list. I mean, this is kind of like an honorable mention or game ball, you know, award. There's so many outstanding performances on the defense, um, maybe I will say one thing schematically we were doing from Venables is we haven't done this as much um, this year is we were really blitz heavy. We came out, we got, I think we got the early lead. I think we wanted to end it really quickly, allow them to, to gain no momentum. Uh, you saw a lot more blitzes from linebackers, some safety blitzes coming in and just put an end to it early on. Yeah, and again, we have seen this time and time again this year where you get the feeling early on in a game when the other team is not going to be able to score, and you got that early on in this Miami game. Yeah, you could basically just say, we're going to keep throwing pressure at you, you beat us with your arm. And once we got up 21 to nothing, you're like, game's over. And that was early in the second quarter where we went up 21 to nothing. So who else else gets a defensive game ball if you maybe do it by position group? Um, well, we talked about Christian Wilkins, man. I mean, just his ability to, to shoot the gap and the way he moves down the line and, and defending the run and his eyes, man, his vision. So it's not only when he's moving down the line, defending the run, but all those batted balls when he's engaged and he's able to pull back on his pass rush when he knows he's not going to be able to get any on the quarterback and, and, and get up. He had a couple in this game, I believe. He did, yeah. Yeah, and that's been... His ability and his well-roundedness is absolutely incredible, and it's been such a big part to why this defense has been so good over the past couple of years. It seems like they feed off of his energy as well. I, I think I noticed that. Yeah, absolutely. I haven't seen them have fun quite like this, maybe since the Auburn game, um, as they as they had on Saturday night. Um, yeah. So Van Smith played really well in this game. I think his ability to recognize plays from the safety safety position and his closing speed has been a huge advantage to this team this year. Um, and again, this is still a young guy, uh, first year starting or second year starting. Sorry. Yeah. Is he a junior or yeah, he's a junior. He's a junior. Yeah. Coach's kid. He, he really is a smart player. He really knows how to play. Um, the secondary played well, uh, this game in coverage. I thought for the most part, Isaiah Simmons, there was one particular play, man, his freak athletic ability, um, as a true sophomore, 
is absolutely a thing of beauty, and he's going to be a great player for Clemson uh, moving into next year, and we'll even see him get better over these three weeks as we go into the bowl game. But there was one particular play. Uh, Clemson's up uh, 14 to nothing early on. Uh, it's third and 12 uh, for Miami. Simmons shows blitz, and he drops back into coverage across the middle to, to get back and break up the pass. What a beautiful play. His athleticism and the speed at which, when you watch that in real time, it's really hard to believe how he was able to do that. But you know his ability to rush the passer and his ability, his surprising ability to, to cover in space has been quite impressive for a true sophomore. Yeah, I think between him and Kayvon Wallace, um, and, and Wallace looked good. It, it looks like there's an element or added dimension of athleticism to the safety position. And I think you're going to see Isaiah Simmons a little bit in that nickel um, Sam kind of role where, where Dorian, Dorian O'Daniel resides, but you get a little bit more length. I think he might be the heir apparent there actually, but uh, you, you get a little bit more length with him. And like you said, closing speed and like the, the, the example of Kayvon Wallace was on that first play where they, I think that would have been a huge momentum boost if, if they convert that pass down the middle. He's, he's out of position, but that's just goes to show that goes to show the value of recruiting. Right. And that he's able to turn and get back to him just in time to make the play. Well, let's let's just talk about this closing speed in general of this of this defense. So many times you see an opposing playmaker on offense have the ball out in space, but these guys, the entire team closes so quickly from the speed of the linebackers to the speed of the defensive line. You see Dexter Lawrence with this you know speed that you would never think that he has come blazing across to take a guy out. That happened at least one play that I remember vividly in this game. And of course Christian Wilkins and what he's able to do, but it's it's all across the field. This defense plays so fast that offenses find it so hard to get things going. Yeah, if there's one negative, I don't really call this negative because it, I think it's health and it's something that can be fixed and you see it a little bit I think with Kendall Joseph, he's a little hobbled, playing a step slow and I don't think he's quite as powerful. Um, but he still gives you uh, he's still one of the better better linebackers in the ACC playing at, you know, 80 percent. So that'll be huge. And then I think Trey Lamar too, getting him back. He's just so powerful. And it seemed like as the year went along, he was playing with more confidence, playing faster. That's when he first right. started out this season. He was a little bit slow. And that's what happens as a linebacker. You, you, you got to get a feel for the game and let those instincts come to play. But again, how valuable has it been uh, to get Smith and Skalski all that extra playing time? Yeah, it, yeah, it's incredibly valuable. Yeah, that gives you for great, next year, if nothing else. Yeah, but it even you can sustain an injury if you have to going into the playoff. I mean, it's just again we talked about it on offense. We'll talk about it on defense. I know we were whining about it at the beginning of the year, but smart coaching move to get all these guys playing time early on, especially when you feel you have a handle on the game because that's really paid off. Yeah, those style points did not matter in well, they, the end. They don't really matter now that we're not in the BCS era where we have objective people actually picking who's going into this playoff. And we've mentioned that before this year. We don't need those style points. So why not get these other guys some valuable experience? Not to mention, how much does that help in recruiting where you can show guys, I'm going to play you early and, and meaningful points of the game? Yeah, it's it's all important. It all has a, a an effect or an intended effect. Like everything we do is very intentional. Um, it's... It paid off in the end. I think Joel Klatt wasn't convinced, but even I don't have I haven't heard him chirping too much about anything. But aside from the Alabama and uh, Oklahoma or uh, Alabama and Ohio State outcome in terms of who got in, so maybe one last player I'll, I'll mention if you have anybody else um, is just Ryan Carter. He's I mean, you saw the film. There's not much more you can be, that could be said. I think at the end of the game, Dabo said one star Ryan Carter. You know, makes two big plays and he's made what two interceptions now and then and then calls the forced fumble. Yeah, he slipped on coverage, but got back to get his hand on that one um, to knock that ball out. That I think Dorian O'Daniel did he recover that one? Yeah, it was, yeah. Um, and then yeah, then the then the interception on the tip ball. I mean, we've we finally this year. I think we have given him due credit this year and, and and due praise, but that hasn't been the case in years past. And so, really happy for that young man and what he's been able to accomplish on the field, um, coming in under the sh- under the shadow of uh, Robert Kimdiche. Um, you know, people saying that he was a throw-in, and then Kim T.J. Uh, ultimately um, decommits and go to Ole Miss, and Ryan Carter sticks with us. Um, so, yeah, just really, really happy for that guy because he's been such a valuable part of this defense. Yep, great call. Um, that would make another good move. So let's let's go to special teams, and I also I'm throwing in I'm going to lump in garbage time players of the game um, because. That fourth quarter, there was a few things, a few guys out there making some plays. 
Uh, let's kind of brighten up, uh, spice up the special team segment with the, with a few guys. But you could start with special teams if you want, Ben. Well, I think obviously uh, the key moment, and I'm going to take 15 minutes here to um, intimately dissect the 46-yard field goal from Alex Spence. Uh, but in all seriousness, that was, you know, rewatching it, 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 it almost didn't make it. He, like, got it just over the, the, the crossbar in, like, the bottom right corner um to to knock down that field goal but you gotta feel great for that kid i was actually surprised that the Dabo did not celebrate more uh um in a more animate way than he did on that one but uh good for spence i still don't feel super confident in him uh in a high pressure situation that was not a high pressure situation at that point in the game clemson's up oh 21 to nothing i believe at that point um but still good to see that for sure um spires kind of a hiccup in the punting game today wasn't that great, uh, but he's been great all year long. And finally, the return game. But you know, Ray Ray he didn't judge the ball too well. T. Higgins obviously got into his legs, and that was the problem on that that muff punt there to begin with. But I think between him and Travis Etienne, these guys have one or two left um, uh, returns to the house in their tank this year, which means that's going to come in a playoff game. So that's that's really exciting. I just think there's too much talent there, especially with ETN, that we haven't seen him take one to the house yet. Well, the contenders in the field do have really good special teams. So if they, if they have it in them, and it feels like all these teams are evenly matched, so if, if it will be a very uh, opportune time to deliver a... Yeah, I mean those can be those can be game changing moments. Um, we saw against Alabama a couple of years ago how they were able to flip the script. Um, so to have guys like this again, I, Ray Ray had a little shit. I mean, he had what six receptions for a hundred yards in this game, but he did have those two fumbles. So a little bit shaky and kind of Ray Ray of old. But I chalk that up to just kind of a fluke. And he's been solid all year long back there. Yeah, I ag- agreed. Um, for my, my garbage time, I asked you to pick a player. I'm, I'm going to pick a player. Same guy I said last in the last week or two weeks ago, but I've got to say this again. It's A.J. Terrell. If there's one guy that I get a man crush on his, you talk about closing speed, at 6'2", he's just, he's the fastest guy on the field. You let, you see it. It's like watching a high school film, and you're seeing the star guy, he's like just outrunning everyone. That's how he looks, and he's still playing at, on, at the collegiate level against Miami. This guy is going to be just uber, uber talented. I think I think he's going to really leave his mark starting next season. But uh, but yeah, long, physical, has good technique for that size, like good hips for a guy that's 6'2 at the cornerback position, and packs a punch with his hits. Um, incredibly athletic. Um, who you got, Ben, in terms of garbage time guy? I think Albert Huggins for me. You know, he did play early on in this game in meaningful snaps, but the guy's a beast, um, and he's he's developed as the year has gone on. We've been wanting to see more out of him, and you saw when Dexter Lawrence went down for those couples a couple of games, how he stepped up and responded to that. So um, I think he's going to be a big, valuable part of this team moving forward, and I think the light's finally starting to come on for him, and that's really exciting to see. And with that... Let's move on to talk about the four playoff contenders. Okay, Ben, all the drama came out of uh, the the decision that the playoff committee went with Alabama versus Ohio State. Um, Lots been said about this. I've heard a lot of people talking about it ad nauseum. But give me your take, not just as a Clemson fan. Did they get it right? Well, yeah, I, I think they definitely got it right. Obviously, you can't argue with uh, one through three, uh, Clemson, Oklahoma, Georgia. I think when it comes down between Clemson and Oklahoma, I think the body of work for Clemson all year long, the way that they have played in big games and then also games on the road against rake teams, that bar none like puts them above the rest. Oklahoma has clearly had a great season. I still don't know how good they are just because they haven't faced an elite defense and, they, and I don't think they have a good defense but that offense is a well-oiled machine so we're just going to have to see uh, when they go up against a formidable defense in Georgia uh, Georgia way to bounce back um, after that loss to Auburn Auburn was on fire there for a while and it, they really ran out of steam you know it's really hard uh, we've heard coaches talk about how hard it is to play um, in a game after the Iron Bowl. I mean, Alabama is a tough team to play, and Auburn looked really good in that game. But to play Georgia-Alabama within a span of three weeks and then have to turn around and beat Alabama or sorry Georgia again, that's, that was always going to be really tough to do. Before that, let's go to Alabama-Ohio State. Tell me if they got it right. 
Well, the reason they got it right is because payback's a bitch, Ohio State. Um, they got in last year as um, a non-conference winning team over Penn State, and it deservedly happened to them this year. Their body of work over the entire season. Now, if, if they don't lose in blowout fashion to Iowa, they're in over Alabama easy because you can throw that Oklahoma uh, loss out the window the way that I thought if Auburn was to win the SEC and get in with two teams, you can throw the Clemson game out the window because no matter what, they're going to be ranked ahead of you. So you're really only ranking your, uh, you're comparing yourself for the teams that are left below. Um, so that's part of the reason why I think that that Ohio State gets left out here. It's it's that one loss. Nobody was talking about that Oklahoma loss. They were only talking about that blowout loss to Iowa. Even maybe even if it's close to Iowa, it's a different story. But it wasn't. They got blown out, and it wasn't really close when they played Oklahoma, Alabama. Last game they played of the year, the loss to Auburn. It was at Auburn. Um, I, I think there's definitely some deficiencies in this team. This is not the same Alabama that we've seen the last couple years. But the problem is nobody else wanted to be in. It's like the same reason that Clemson ascended to number one. It's like nobody else wanted to be number one. Wisconsin had their opportunity. And I, I don't know whether to be uh, happy with Wisconsin uh, losing or, or sad about it because uh, we would have gotten Georgia, I think. Wisconsin would have been in that three spot. And I was really looking forward to playing Georgia. I'm not scared to play Alabama. Uh, by any stretch, just because we've gone toe-to-toe with them the last two years, and they're not as good as they were. Um, and I, I am kind of intrigued by the idea of the uh, the the three-match, uh, but it would have been nice change of uh, script to, to, to play Georgia and Alabama, obviously, even with their deficiencies. Nick Saban is the best coach among this group, and he's going to be prepared and ready for us. Um, and then everything after that just kind of fell where it did. You know, the Pac-12 uh, it's really had no shot yeah, we don't at, have to talk after about a couple early <laughs> losses early in this year. But it's really interesting to see uh, to have two Power Five conferences left out the first time that we've had two uh, teams from the same conference get in. Yeah, and, you know, there's there's outrage over – I don't think there's outrage over, like, the four best teams. I think it's um, the outrage over the committee's criteria and that it's that it's not consistent from week to week. And I do have to agree with that. I, I I don't think you can, you know, Alabama goes from number five. They move up. They don't play a game. Another team wins a conference championship, and they jump into the top four. And in various years, there's, there's the conference championship was the trump card. Um, the other season, the body of work. I think that was when um, Oklahoma jumped Penn State last year. And, and then this season, it's, you know, eye test. So I, Alabama is the best team. When you're... But when you're talking about the best team, and let's throw Ohio State and Wisconsin out of there, and let's just look between Auburn, Georgia, and Alabama. Auburn, 1-1 one one against Georgia. Auburn, 1-0 against Alabama. Alabama did not play Georgia, so we don't have that comparison to make. But even though Auburn lost, can you really justify moving them down uh, three spots behind Alabama when they had just come off a win against Alabama and had beaten the team that they, they just lost to in a conference championship it, it game? It kind of felt like a, a, a very, I don't know the word, um, it was a consolation prize almost. It's like we're going to drop, or we're going to put Wisconsin and, and Ohio State over Auburn because, you know, because we can, um, but we're not. But we're not going to let them in the playoff. Yeah, I think Auburn beats both those teams. I, agreed, and that's that's the thing that no one like. Even if you're the like the Joel Cloud of the world, and you're you are outraged. If you said who wins head to head, Ohio State and Alabama, I think most people, especially football people, they they'll say Alabama. And I mean, I, I've watched them both play. I mean, I, who would I would rather play as a Clemson fan? I think we'd all rather have Ohio State, and that has nothing to do with the outcome last year. I just it, don't. It kind of does, but. <laughs> <laughs> well, it does in the sense that it's the same quarterback, and he hasn't really gained a whole lot of layers to his game in, in over that last year. So if we exactly, yeah, so we like that matchup. But you know, with that said, I've seen them both play, and Alabama seems to be the superior team. Don't think it's a Southern bias. I just think it's a best team bias, and that's kind of what they're supposed to be there to do. Yeah, no, I, I, I think it's a fact. Um, Ohio State had their opportunities this year. They just, you know, had to not lose. Wisconsin did not play a great schedule, so that's why you see them as a one-loss team, as good a year as they have, why you see them not in there. Now, it's not like Alabama played a great schedule because the SEC East is, is nothing, and I can't remember what team they drew from, from that side of the bracket, but that's um, hard to make a good comparison there. They're out of conference schedule. That Florida State game does not look 
like a good win at this point in the year, given the big downfall from Florida State. But I think at the time that that was a really big win because DeAndre Francois did start that game. Um, so I, I think you got to give them a little bit more credit than that. But I think looking through their schedule, it's not all that impressive. So, again, I think it's clear. Um, Clemson, Oklahoma, Georgia, as far as that fourth spot is concerned, it's just because nobody else performed. At the end of the day, Alabama was just sitting there and, waiting with and, one loss. And it doesn't make Alabama the lesser team. And Vegas is already ha- has them listed as a two-and-a-half-point favorite over us. I mean, it, it's, it's just— It's, it's because we can't kick a field goal. I mean, that could be it. Uh, it could be what it comes down to, and uh, yeah, we're going to go crazy. But I think with Alabama, they, they are a legitimately good team, and they didn't play the right teams on their schedule to make it look like they had a great resume. But the teams they did play, they won. The games they did play, they won, including Florida State. And people act like it's their fault, like they scheduled Mercer. They also scheduled what was supposed to be a top-five team in Florida State, like you said. And they it's not their fault that LSU is kind of having a rebounding, middling year Um the one loss being at, at, at Auburn, and uh, you know, even their I think their their East schedule, SEC East, wasn't 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 very good. Um, it's not not their fault. And even in the games they did play, they look good. They look dominant in most games. A uh, and M and and Mississippi State aside, um, now they have injury. Now that guy's coming back from injury, so I, I think they'll be just fine. Uh, we don't want to spend a lot more time talking about Alabama, though. Um, we will preview that in the days leading up to that uh, contest. I do want to talk about the Georgia. An Oklahoma game because that to me is very interesting. It you're combining a I think elite defense. I think the numbers say that Georgia is elite on defense, um, and you're combining one of the best, the best offense by a wide margin. And look, I, I saw Oklahoma play TCU. I've seen them play TCU twice now. TCU is a good defense. They're not a great defense. They're not Georgia, not at all. I, it'll be interesting to see if Baker, Baker Mayfield can keep up. And and on the flip side, Georgia's Running game is unbelievably dominant. So can Oklahoma stop them? Here's where I kind of uh, see this fall, and it's like kind of the same reason why when we went into the Miami game, I was feeling fairly confident. I, I think we all picked a pretty fairly large margin of victory in that game in our predictions. And it's not because I thought we were that much better than Miami, although it may turn out that we are. But the experience of playing in big games like that, I know Kelly Bryant didn't start last year, and this is his first year starting in uh, environments like this, but he has been on the team the last two years and traveled to these big game environments, and he knows the sense and and the feeling and the emotions of what it's like to be in a situation like that or be around a situation like that. So I think that had him well prepared. And even though this is a young team, we did have a lot of guys that um, some did start and played on teams the last couple years. So Clemson is battle-tested. They're battle-tested all year playing in big games, and it showed by um, how handily they were able to beat those opponents. Uh, when it comes down to the Oklahoma and Georgia game, Oklahoma's been there, right, in, in the past few seasons. So they, they've been in the thick of things while Georgia's still on the rise. I don't know what to think out of Jake Fromm is he's, if he's going to be able to perform in, in these situations. Bear in mind, the defense for Oklahoma is nowhere near what the uh, the Auburn defense was throwing at, at Fromm. That is absolutely true. So w- I'm interested to see how that plays out. I think, again, for me, yeah. it's more about how – uh, George's offense is able to exploit Oklahoma's defense versus how Oklahoma's offense is able to stand up to that formidable Georgia defense. It's going to be a very interesting game. Yeah, I will say, and I watched Baker Mayfield against TCU. Again, not the guys on that TCU defensive line, look, they're three-star athletes. They're good. They're not the guys that Georgia has on its on its line. And they're, they're very well coached. Gary Patterson, incredible coach. We all know this. But I will say, even with that, uh, the pocket was collapsing. That he was sending pressure. Patterson was sending pressure. Baker Mayfield moves around that the pocket like with the, the kind of poise and just uh, he he's been like you said he's been there before. He looks very polished, um, and he every ball he throws he it's a fifty fifty ball at worst. He's unbelievably talented. It, if you if you think if you want to play like the big game card, if that's the, if that's the way you're looking at it. I could see Oklahoma winning just for that reason. Yeah, no, I mean, make complete no, complete team Georgia by a landslide. But, more complete team. But Baker Makefield is the game changer, and he's going to be the Heisman this year. Make no mistake, he's an absolutely incredible uh, quarterback. He's a terrible person, but incredible quarterback. <laughs> and I'm sure he is, I mean, for his team, I, I, I'm sure he is a leader on that team and a very vocal part of that locker room and a big motivator. 
for them. So yeah, that it's, he, he can be the game changer in this game. Whereas I don't necessarily see Georgia having that person. Uh, maybe it's Chubbs if he's able to run the ball. Well, I wonder if they can't run eight yard gains every single time. Yeah. I think it's going to be, um, it, it could be a very high scoring game. Um, I don't see, I don't see Georgia necessarily being able to hold Baker Mayfield down to say, you know, just bam, you've been playing these weak Big 12 defenses all year, and now you finally run into somebody and you get stonewalled. I don't see that happening, but I could certainly see that happening against Clemson if Clemson's able to um, overcome Alabama just because of the elite speed at, that Clemson has at all the different position groups on the defense. Yeah, and I will say from, from Clemson's perspective, one thing that I take not getting Oklahoma, and I, I like that we didn't get Oklahoma in the semifinal, just because they haven't played a team like Georgia or Alabama. Alabama, Clemson, uh, Georgia are all in a similar mode in terms of what they bring defensively. Um, even offensively, they're they're very similar. Oklahoma hasn't either played a team on offense or defense like one of the like like Clemson. So if, if they win, at least you have them on tape and against a meaningful defense exactly. and a meaningful game. Yeah. Exactly. They're they're going to reveal some. Some some parts of their game that that maybe we can exploit, um, and Venables is is the guy to be able to do it. That's that's my thinking. But yeah. I, I tend to favor Oklahoma, though. I tend to think they're going to come out on top just because May, Mayfield is that good. Yeah, and again, Georgia's still up and coming, I think. I don't think this year that you're going to see the blowouts you've seen in the semifinals like you've seen in the past couple years. I just... I don't think Alabama gets blown out by Clemson, and I think Oklahoma and Georgia is going to be a highly contested game. Sounds like the best four teams got in. Uh, it's quite possible. Um, but at the end of the day, we do know that the best team wins it all. So there's that. One last thing about it, Alabama. Let me throw some shade their way. I was listening to a podcast recently, and everyone said, how do you be good at football? Like, well, they're like the state of Alabama has been doing it for years. If they can do it, anyone can. So just want to say, I think um, that, a lot to look forward to in that matchup, but I think we can take down Bama with a little bit of preparation. I think absolutely. This This team is... As talented, if not more talented, than any team in the country. They're playing incredibly well right now. The defense has been dominant all year long. There's been no drop-off. Blip on the radar um, uh, there in the Syracuse game. But other than that, um, offense has continued to improve all year long. And I don't think Alabama necessarily has the same talent and ability levels on offense. Uh, to be able to improve here in the break, whereas I think Clemson has so many has the talent and so many young guys with a young quarterback that you are going to see some improvement when they come back out. And they're going to pack a punch against this Alabama team. And they played in the last two years. They know how to play Alabama. They're not going to be intimidated. It'll be interesting to see what Alabama throws at Kelly Bryant um, because he was able to withstand a lot in the Auburn game. That's the only comparable defense I can really think of to this Alabama front. And they will get linebackers back that, that are very good. That's that's notable. Um I don't know. There's there's a lot a lot of ways to look at it. I agree with you on, on, on the Jalen Hurts is good. He's just he's he's kind of like Kelly Bryant. He's he's more than a, much more than a game manager. Makes a lot of plays, but you can potentially make him one dimensional. Uh, it's it's going to be both matchups are are great. It's going to be a, a good playoff, and uh, maybe the tickets won't be le- will be less than a thousand this year, but probably not. No, I think it's already the highest uh, price Sugar Bowl. Well, the Sugar Bowl, ticket. yeah, yeah. You mean for the national? For the national. If if we were to make it, not the, not a chance, right? Not in Atlanta. In Atlanta, you got Georgia, Alabama, Oklahoma, and Clemson. Yeah, it's probably gonna be more expensive than last year. Although I think uh, Georgia's new stadium does Atlanta's new stadium hold more than um, I, Raymond James? I think it's the same. I don't, and I don't think you, I think either way that demand's gonna be sky high. So yeah, they need, they need to be hanging seats from the uh, from the rafters up there uh, to pack people in. Yeah. So I think we're going to wrap up from here. Uh, it's it's good to see Clemson playing the way they're playing um, at, at this time of year. We'll, we'll come back. We have a break, but we'll come back again with the Alabama preview. Sam's going to be back to join us, do, to give us some basketball, um, rehash some of that stuff, yeah, which Cle- we're doing really well. Clemson looking good. Got some votes in the AP poll, won the Big Ten Challenge, uh, ACC Big Ten Challenge with, Ohio a win, State out, yeah. with a win over Ohio State. So boys have been playing really well. That's That's really exciting to see. Yeah. So I think yeah, well, and they have a few more pretty high profile matchups yeah, coming up. Got uh, got Florida in a tournament down in Miami. 
If they beat Florida, that's 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 something. You got South Carolina at home. Team. South Carolina is a solid basketball team. Um, so yeah, we're going to see what this team's made of. Uh, talking to Sam earlier tonight, he thinks if we can get out of non-conference play with three losses, we're going to be sitting uh, in pretty good shape. Yeah, so that's an exciting month of December, even though we have the dead the dead period between uh, before the New Year's Bowl. So with that, we'll see you next time. Go Tigers! And I'm so I'm so happy for our family. It's not, it's not, this is not for just us. This is for the Taj Boyds, the Stephon Anthony's, the Grady Jarrett's, the New Hopkins, Sammy Watkins. Y'all built this. Y'all started this foundation. And all we did is build upon it. And we finished it. It's been 35 long years. Clemson, y'all been waiting 35 years. It's finally coming home, baby. It's coming home. Let's move on to the playoff contenders. Stop, stop stopping and okay. Let's move on to the no, no. I'm just gonna say it like I talk. That's all I do. Yeah, but you weren't even saying it like you talk. Like you're forcing it. The playoff. Okay, with and with that, let's move on to talking about the four teams that will be playing in the playoff. I'm okay with that. I, don't, I, I think that was my best take. Why is that so slow? Why are you so slow? Because you don't have to, I don't have to be douchey. No, you don't have to be douchey, but you're, you're I, really slow. All right, just, just nail it. Do it this time. Go. Are you recording? Yes. And with that, let's move on to talk about the four playoff contenders.